Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. The title of today's episode is Buying a Bicycle. My very first bicycle when I was a kid was a little black and blue job. It was short. I don't know how big the wheels were. They measure these bikes by the height of their wheels, I believe. But it was short, and I drove it all over the place. Rode everywhere in it. It had inflatable tires. It was a good little bicycle, but I did outgrow it. And about the time I was in second or third grade, probably, I was way too big for it. And the way I remember this coming down is for my birthday, my dad came and picked me and probably my whole class up at school. And we all piled into the back of our pickup truck, my dad's pickup truck. And he drove us up to my house. And my mom had a big birthday party there in the garage with the garage doors open. It was about the first part of May and balloons and tables and cake and candles and it was a big time and when I was opening my presents they wheeled out this red and silver bicycle and it was much larger and it was wonderful and all the kids went ooh ah and so I was looking at it and it intimidated me somewhat it was much larger than my old bike And I didn't really know how to negotiate putting my left foot on the bottom pedal and kind of pushing off and then swinging my leg over the bar that boys' bikes had back then and get going. It looked too big for me. So I was so excited and everyone was running around yelling and clapping and wanting to touch the bike. And Preston, this kid in my class volunteered he says i know how to ride that bike i i can get on that bike no problem i can show you how to do it i can do it for you and he talked us into letting him do it how i remember this coming down is just makes me laugh to this day somehow instead of preston's left foot and being on the left side of the bicycle having his left foot on the bottom pedal he's on the left side of the bicycle but he put his right foot on that pedal and started pushing off and going and I can remember Preston trying to negotiate switching feet on the pedal and putting his leg over the bar of the bike and he started wobbling and he's I thought he's going to crash and everyone's going ooh, ooh, and somehow as funny as it looked Preston got it done and he got around on it and he rode my bike for a couple minutes and said, see, that was easy. Well, not to be outdone by Preston, somehow I did ride the bike that day. But I'll never forget old Preston showing me how to get on that bike. It was the funniest thing I may have ever seen in my life. It was hilarious. And what made it even funnier is he didn't crash. Good old Preston. I knew him all through grade school and high school. Haven't seen him since. Haven't even heard about him. Preston, if you ever hear this, or somebody that knows you hears this, hello to you, Preston. After I got really too big for that red bike, and I wanted a bicycle with gears on it, 
because I had to negotiate going up that hill that I lived on. There's no way in the world I could ever ride that red bike up that hill. And I spotted this black free-speed bicycle at the Gamble store. My Uncle Sam owned the Gamble store. And I dreamed about it. Then I started scheming and I started saving my money. I mowed yards and I worked at my dad's store. And the only way I ever made any money at my dad's store was by not eating candy and drinking Cokes because I could have all that I wanted, but I had to put it on a charge tab and then pay it back with working. So I had to cut back on that and slowly but slowly I earned enough money. I think it was 40 to $50 for that bicycle. Clear back then, that was a lot of money for a bicycle. And it was a nice bike. It had a pack on the back. It hung from the back of the seat where you could haul your stuff. Like I could put my baseball mitt and a baseball in there. It was wonderful. So finally, I got enough money. And I went down to buy the bicycle. And of course, they were out of the bicycle. And so I had to order it. Well, it was going to take two or three weeks to get it, something like that, and I could hardly wait. You know how a kid is, how he can hardly wait for something. As the days went by, all of a sudden I started tapping into my little savings, buying baseball cards, maybe I had to buy a new ball, this and that and the other thing, and all of a sudden I'd spend about $30.00 of my 50 that I had saved. And then Uncle Sam called and said, your bicycle's in, Jim. You can come pick it up. We've put it all together. It's just waiting for you. And I panicked. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I am short on cash. I cannot go to my folks for this. They warned me about that. And I told them I was grown up enough to handle this. What am I going to do? I fretted. I worried. I lusted after that bicycle. I made a commitment and Uncle Sam was counting on me to come pay him for the bicycle and ride it off. I was struck with a moral dilemma and I was only 10 or 12 years old. I'm always about 10 or 12 years old in these it seems, but I'm sure that's about how old I was. Well, I thought and I wondered and I came up with a plan. My dad, on his grocery store back in the 50s, early 60s, most people either charged their groceries or paid cash for them. So every once in a while, my dad would come home with a silver dollar that he collected at the grocery store. He always put them in these big coffee cans, clear up in the kitchen cupboards. He he kept them. And he put one in at a time, and they grew and grew, and he had a couple coffee cans full of silver dollars up there. And so I got me 30 silver dollars out of his coffee cans. And I knew I couldn't take 30 silver dollars to Uncle Sam and pay for my bicycle. I'd be found out for sure. So I came up with this plan and it seemed pretty foolproof. First of all, I was planning on paying my dad back. I wasn't stealing. I was paying him back. He just didn't know about it. So I went around to every store in town took one or two silver dollars and exchanged them for paper dollars. I figured one or two, no one think anything of it. Had a little story made up, like I can't 
carry around a silver dollar. It's too heavy. I might lose it. I need this paper one to take home something, something lame. And I went all over town and I got my $30 out of those 30 silver dollars. And I went and I bought my bicycle and it was a wonderful bicycle. I loved that bicycle. I went everywhere in that bicycle. I could even ride part way up the hill in low gear in that bicycle. Now there's always a little black cloud that hung over my head if I let myself think about it. A couple of episodes ago I talked about cheating on a contest and I revealed then that I'd stolen something when I was about 12 and this is the story about that. Well when it came time for me to start accumulating money to get silver dollars to pay my dad back and slowly put them back into his can so I wouldn't be found out. It was hard to get a silver dollar. I'd go to the bank and a couple dollars say I want some silver dollars and the bank usually didn't have silver dollars. They'd explain to me that it really wasn't a form of currency that they dealt with too much. They got them from time to time. But people were usually asking for them and whatever, and I got none from the bank. Well, to make this long old story of me being 10 or 12 a little bit shorter, I never confessed to my dad, and he never said anything. He had to know that 30 of them were missing. He had to know a bunch of them. 30 is a lot of silver dollars. Now, I never stole from him ever again. But that time has always stayed with me, and I kind of wish that before he had passed away, I would have told him about it. I know what he would have said, though. He would have said something to the tune of, I knew you did, son, and I forgave you for it a long time ago. Now, don't get me wrong. When I was doing wrong, the hammer had come down for my dad, and so I have no idea why he didn't call me on it or if he just didn't have enough proof and he didn't want to blame my brothers or my sister and it being me, I don't know. Stealing's not the way to go, but I'm glad that I can remember the story and tell the story. You know, if it had been a habit to steal and stuff, this had just been one in a long line of things. So I'm glad that was the only time. I'm glad that I had to carry it around forever. Now I know my dad would forgive me and I know God forgave me. And through the years, I've learned how to forgive myself about it. Confession's a great thing, though. Somehow it clears the air, even though it looks all smoky in front of you. Now, for a segment we call the Top 10 55 Years Ago. That is the Top 10 Pop Songs This Week in 1964. Number 10, Chug-a-Lug by Roger Miller. Number 9, Little Honda by the Hondells. Number 8, Oh Pretty Woman, Roy Orbison and the Candymen. Number 7, The Honeycombs in Have I the Right. Number 6, let It Be Me, Betty Everett and Jerry Butler. Number five by Martha and the Vandellas, Dancing in the Street. Number four, We'll Sing in the Sunshine 
Gail Garnett. Number three, Last Kiss. J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers. Number two, Doo Diddy Diddy, Manfred Mann. And the number one song, 55 years ago this week, by the Supremes, Baby Love. Now I've heard a little feedback from some younger people saying that they're not familiar with these songs. And I kind of understand that. I wasn't familiar with Glenn Miller or even Frank Sinatra too much as older stuff when I was young. But it's worth YouTubing some of these and just see what my music was like in 1964. You may be happy you did that if you're not familiar with this genre of music. Years later, I bought a Motobicon 10-speed bicycle that was a very nice bicycle and cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I don't know what happened to the old black three-speed bike. I can't remember. But that Motobicon, I was a young adult when I purchased that. And I spoke about that bike. Or my friend Dave and I each bought Motobicons from the outfitter in town. We rode all over the place. That bike was a wonderful bicycle. And yes, I could ride up the hill with that one. All by myself. Just me. Two legs of pumping, going up, up the hill. After we moved to the Midwest, and I moved out in the country, and the closest way to get to the blacktop is three and a half miles, I don't care which way you went, I gave that bicycle away to a guy that I rode it to work for a while. He's a nice guy, and I know he appreciated it. And every time, when I see my grandchildren ride their bicycles, when they say, Papa, watch me. Papa, watch me. A smile will come across my face, and I'll think of my dad and his silver dollars. It's been great being with you today. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. You can find our webpage on babyboomertales.com. There are links to our Facebook page, to where you can buy our book, to where you can hear our podcast and many, many different places. Kindness is the best thing to get rid of a heavy heart. Thank you for spending some time with me. I'll be back next Wednesday.